This is the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast. Picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rick Fanica. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be a Better Investor podcast. It is the podcast where I normally speak to the leading professional investors in the country, the fund managers, portfolio managers, chief investment officers. But today I'm going to speak to Charles Savage. He's the CEO of Easy Equities, as well as the Purple Group and Global Trader. We're going to focus on Easy Equities because it's one of the fastest growing and pioneering investment platforms in South Africa. It's actually disrupted this market significantly since it launched. Charles, thank you so much for joining me. How many active users do you have on the Easy Equities platforms today? How's it? And thanks for having me on. Yeah, look, I mean, at last count, we've got 1.4 million registered account holders, of which about 750,000 are active account holders. So we're starting to get close to that magic 1 million active customers, which I think we'll achieve in this financial year. 750,000 retail investors. Would you regard them as all being retail investors? Yeah, 100%. I mean, 95% of our investors are first-time investors. We know that because, you know, we, are, we one, they don't transfer any assets from other brokers, and two, we kind of ask questions about their experience and understanding. It is predominantly a new audience of investors. It's not like we're taking market share away from other brokers, but rather focused on building a new generation of first-time investors. So you've grown the market significantly. What are the average portfolio sizes? Yeah, on average, the portfolios are around 30,000 rand per customer. Now, that's a little misleading, and I'll tell you why. Is that, you know, as you'll know, this business has got big on us in the last 18 to 24 months. So 80% of all of our active investors arrived in the last two years. So when you look at it you know, through the lens of averages, you're averaging against the customer base of which 80% arrived very recently. Whilst the average is 30,000, if we go back and look at our customer cohorts from when we started in 2014, the people that joined us in 2014 who also started with 30,000 Rand back then are now managing over 200,000 Rand on average. So the averages skew the storyline. You know, people start with, if you like, smaller amounts of capital. And then as they become more accustomed and more, have some more success and better educated around their investments, they grow their capital considerably. And the demographic and the profile of these investors, you've said earlier that they are new to the market, but is there a definitive trend of who actually are looking at markets to try and increase their wealth? Yeah, and I mean, this is the stuff that really excites me. I mean, average age of investors on the platform is 31 years old. Just to give that some context, when we started the business, the average age was 35. So they've got younger over the seven years that we've been operating. The competitive landscape is a much more interesting contrast. Our competitors have an average age of around 55. And last year, the average age of customers joining the platform was 29. So we're getting younger and younger, which, as you know, time is the biggest asset in investing. So that's fantastic. The other demographics which are also interesting is our male-female split is now 58-42 in favor of men still, but that's also a very unusual investor demographic. When we started, it was 85% men, 15% women. The industry looks like that, mostly 85% of investment accounts are male. 
But the trend is that more women are joining the platform and they're joining faster than men are. So we're going to level the playing fields very soon. And most likely not this year, but possibly next financial year, we'll have an investor base that is 31 years old, 50% male, 50% female. And then finally, they are a true reflection of the demographic of South Africa. So in every single way, our customers look like the people that you'll see when you you know drive around the streets of our cities. I remember many years ago, I saw a statistic that there were around 1 million retail equity investors in South Africa. I'm talking around 2,000. And that the number of people who invested in unit trusts were around three times that amount, around three million. Has that dynamic changed? Are people actually starting to look more to invest directly into equities as opposed to a more conservative unit trust type of portfolio? You know, I've also been around since 2000. So those numbers for me, I think, were misleading. You know, those were the registered shareholders of companies. A lot of those shareholders never pitched up and became retail stockbroking customers. So if we, if we fast forward to 2014 when we started Easy Equities, the JSC had 280,000 active retail investment accounts on BDO. So I think that's the kind of benchmark that we've been you know, looking at. And you know we've increased that almost threefold now. But in terms of your second question, what's the trend? The trend is definitely towards people taking ownership of investing for themselves. That doesn't mean they're doing it alone. But they're forming communities, friendships, and alliances in kind of social spaces and doing it together. And that is 100% disintermediating the need for them to go to places like, you know, the traditional unit trusts. And the second trend is, you know, the big move from active to passive, which has played out globally where passive is not bigger than active in the U.S., South Africa, nowhere near there. But that passive trend is, is a trend that's in favor of retail moving out of unit trust again into passive ETF. So the trend is 100% towards retail investors taking ownership of their own investments directly. That's an unstoppable wave now. You know, I've been around long enough, have seen these trends emerge before. They never had enough momentum to survive a crash or a dynamic shift in the market or a breakdown in the ecosystem. Today, the ecosystem is very strong and the momentum behind retail investment and direct ownership is too powerful to, you know, it isn't a trend I would bet against is the way I would put it. Now, you've revolutionized the industry by allowing fractional ownership. So you, you don't need to buy one share, you can buy fractions of it, which was really innovative. But you also offer many other investment products or options on your platforms, uh, crypto, forex and the like. What are people investing in on your uh, platform uh, predominantly? Roughly, there's about 30 billion in retail assets. So when we look at the distribution of those assets, 26 billion of that is in South African equities. And about 3% of that is sitting in crypto. And then the balance of that is sitting in offshore and predominantly US equities. So South Africans are still very biased towards a South African equity portfolio. I have to caveat that to say that we've obviously got quite a strong foreign ETF setup in terms of the number of instruments that are available. So the fact that you invest in South Africa doesn't necessarily mean that the underlying assets are South African, but the assets are here at home. They're in RANDs and people are buying you know, South African stocks and ETFs predominantly. The trend over the last kind of 12 months has been a, a greater shift towards international investing. So more and more of our customers are transferring portions of their portfolio to the U.S., 
And I really think the dynamics there are, are a few. The first is we've seen strong rand. And I think every time there's a strong rand, that's an opportunity for South Africans just to sort of take some money offshore. There's been a lot of excitement around U.S. shares in the last 12 months. They had a very strong runner last year. And performance pulls people in. doesn't matter you know, what, what people say. That's a big marketing board for U.S. shares. And then the last thing is that just the investment universe in the U.S., is just extraordinarily exciting. You know, if you think about the number of IPOs, the breadth of offering, the diversity of that offering, there are just so many. There are thousands and thousands of investable opportunities where when you bring it back home, there are only a couple of hundred investable opportunities here. I think the trend is going to continue that South Africans will seek out the best investment opportunities that most engage them, excite them, and match their uh, their needs in terms of you know, their desires and wants. Uh, and so unless South Africa raises the bar on what the investable options are here at home, then I think we're going to see more and more money shift offshore. Yeah, I think that's been the trend for most investors, uh, institutional as well as retail. You know, the investment universe in South Africa is really, really small relative to the rest of the world. But the investment trends from these new up-and-coming investors, are they investing every month? Do they manage lump sums? Uh, are there clear trends uh, in, in that regard? Yeah, so you, know, you noted that we were the first to do fractions. In fact, we're the first to do it globally, which I'm still very proud of. And one of the kind of unintended con- fractions was a problem statement. How do I invest in NASPAS if all I've got is 100 Rand? But one of the unintended outcomes of fractions is that any amount of money is an opportunity to invest. So what we find is that people save small increments of money and make several deposits a month. So literally, you know, save your coffee money today and invest tomorrow. And they do that with regularly throughout the month. So they pitch up way more often than we expected. They make micro deposits all of the time. And every time there's a deposit, there's a reason to go and invest in something new. So the trend is that they pitch up on average 10 times a month. On average, they make between five and seven deposits a month. And then commensurately, they'll make about 10 new investments from those five to seven deposits. So the frequency, if you stood back from it, you'd say, oh my God, they're trading because that's 10 transactions a month. But when you look at the data, you go, the reason they are investing so much is because their frequency of deposits is so high. It's not a, not about the fact that they're changing their portfolio and turning it over and trading the stocks. That's very, very interesting. But let's talk about performance. How good are these investors? Do you have any indication of uh, the returns they are getting? Yeah. I mean, we track it. We look at these equities and so say, what if it was a unit trust? So, if this 30 billion rand was a unit trust, forget about the fact that there are a million managers on this unit trust, but what's the overall return that they're generating? And they beat the index. So, you know, as you know, that puts them in the top 10% of managers in the country. So as a collective of a million managers managing this 30 billion unit trust, they beat the underlying indices that they're investing in, the stocks that they're investing in, which is kind of not what anyone expected, I guess. Uh, We certainly did. I mean, for my money, I've been around retail investors for 20 years and retail investors are smart, savvy and have access to the same information that everyone else does. And so why should they not be able to perform at the same level? And I think the other thing is that they are more managing your money is brings you much closer and engages you much more with your investment decision making than giving your money to someone else. What I mean by that is that they're educating themselves along the way. So one investment 
leads to more education, which which then leads to more investments, which leads to more education, which fundamentally in the result leads to better investments. And the kind of textbook things that have been that I was taught before I entered the market. The first is, you know, in retail investors were stupid. Well, that's not true. Second is that you know retail investors run from a storm. So if there's a crisis, they run away. That's also not true. You know, we've we've been around long enough to see what their behaviour is through a few crises, and actually. Every time the market pull back, pulls back, there's a greater wave of money than when the market was going up. So we've just had it in January. Now, U.S. stocks had, took a big hitting, and we, the expectation is that retail would run for the hills. They didn't. They arrived at the hills with more money than they were putting in in the previous quarter. So they're smart. They're savvy. They're beating the indices. You know, On average, they, the kind of alpha that they're generating is double-digit above the index, which is kind of crazy when I think about it, but uh, yeah, they're doing a great job and they're super smart. When you say index, you refer to the JSE Aussie? Yeah, so JSE Aussie in, on the South African market, in the US, mm. S&P 500, and yeah, just the, the major market benchmarks. So, you know, we're not trying to not using the yeah. you know CPI as a benchmark or something like that. Last week I spoke to Dr. Andrew Ditburner from Old Mutual, of course, and he said they manage in their private clients' portfolios, they've got a 10-year investment horizon and they normally trade around 10% per year. So it is a very long-term focus. Are your investors or your clients investing for the long term, or are they actually pretty active in, in trading uh, regularly? Sure. So the average turnover of portfolio per year is 60%, you know, which means they're selling 30% of their holdings and then buying, you know, buying the 30% again. Which, for, interestingly, if you go and look at the Unitrust world, that's the same average as the Unitrust across the you know across the spectrum for a high equity portfolio. So you know these guys are obviously high equity because that's all we've got on the platform. They're trading in the same amount as the typical asset manager is trading. I think the the thing that is interesting to observe though is they are 100% long term. And the reason that we know that is that their portfolios are rising for two reasons. The first is their own efforts. They increase their NAV by 12% year on year by adding more money. So they're finding more money every year to add to the investment. And then the second thing is that they get a market uplift of an average of around 12 to 15%. And so their portfolios are increasing close to 30% year on year. The investment approaches of, of these uh, individuals and investors of course, your professional investors, they've got massive uh, spreadsheets and they insert hundreds of different numbers and figures and ratios into those spreadsheets. And then they identify certain companies who adhere to those uh, their investment criteria. Retail investors do not tend to do that because it's really, really complicated. Do you have any indication of the amount of research your clients uh, do before they actually invest? Look, a lot of their research is collaborative. And you can see it on social media, they'll form these groups on Twitter uh, through Spaces and they'll have a discussion around a stock or they'll host a CEO. For example, I've been on a few where, you know, these retail investors, thousands of them arrive and ask me questions of, you know, the company, what we're doing, what our strategy is, what the future looks like. And they do a lot of that. So, But it's collaborative research. The other thing they do is that there are leaders within the social community that are publishing research and they consume it with a massive appetite. And some of those are actual traditional analysts. So you see guys like Small Talk, uh, I think, I can't remember his exact handle, but Small, Small Talk, Talk Daily, cases. yes. That's it, Small Talk Daily, who's a professional analyst. When he publishes his stuff on social media, the appetite to consume it is massive. And so they are consuming lots and lots of research. They're not doing it in a traditional way, they're doing it in social places where they feel safe to have conversations. 
uh, around research and, and stocks that they are interested in. Uh, and they're spending an extraordinary amount of time. I mean, the number of times I've logged onto, so onto Twitter and at nine o'clock at night, there's a space is going on talking about Renogen or Purple Group or NASPAS or whatever. They're consuming a lot of content and they're creating their own content as well between each other and sharing that amongst the community. And that's a really powerful force because, you know, as you will know, research was the privy of the institutional investor. You know, we bought it, we kept it for ourselves, we didn't share it with our communities. That's done, done now. We're seeing research being democratized, given to the communities away, and people are sharing this research and their ideas and collaborating around it to the benefit of everyone. So, yeah, it's like Ubuntu for research. Yeah, I think Small Talk Daily, that is Anthony Clark, if I'm not That's correct, mistaken. Yeah. But it's a very, very positive story. We hear, you know, from many asset managers uh, that they battle to actually beat the uh, respective benchmark indices. Uh, and it's really good to hear that there are a growing number of people who actually take their destiny into their own hands and start to invest because it's not actually only to increase wealth, but it's also it increases your knowledge and understanding of how the financial markets work. How often do you have non-financial interaction with those clients? Uh, all the time. I mean, all, all the time. It's, uh, it's literally daily through our social engagement. We run webinars, seminars. We've got a podcast uh, called Easy Does It that we've put together. So uh, lots and lots of it. And I, I just want to go back to your point about investing. For me, investing is uh, it's like creating a team for your wealth creation. You know, if, you, if you don't invest, you're basically saying to yourself that you're going to create your own destiny. You're going to be responsible for all of the wealth and outcomes for you and your family and the generations thereafter. The way that I look at investing is to create a team for your success. And, you know, for me to invest in companies like Amazon and Alibaba and Apple and locally back here at home, Renogen and Nasbass, allows me to sit right next to the CEOs of those organizations, learn from their strategies and moves, but also have them on my team for wealth creation. And it's just such an empowering force. So, yes, I invest for profit, but I can't tell you how long I was investing in Amazon before it made a cent. But I never begrudged the investment because the annual uh, letter that uh, Bezos wrote for me was more educational, had better outcomes than the investment for the first decade. Today, you know, I've made a lot of money by being invested in Amazon, but I learned so much by standing close to these CEOs. So, you know, for me, investing is a team sport and it's about creating a long-term destination that gives you a better chance at successfully retiring wealthy. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Uh, it's a really good positive story and hopefully it can continue because there are a lot of challenges uh, in South Africa, but it seems like a lot of people are t taking on the investment challenge and succeeding. Uh, but thanks for your participation today. Thanks, Rake, and love being on your show. appreciate it. That was Charles Savage. He's the current CEO of uh, Easy Equities as well as the Purple Group and Global Trader. Show me the money. That was the Money Web. Be a better investor podcast with Rake for Kneecap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the Money Web podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. Money Web, your trusted source for business and investment insights.